0: Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world.
1: Plus, we'll answer our listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget
0: to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now, on with the show. Okay, so today our guest is designer Lauren Lees. She started her incredible blog, Pure Style Home, in 2008, and her career blossomed from there. Her work has been featured in so many publications, from House Beautiful, Country Living, Traditional Home, Architectural Digest, Martha Stewart Living, oh, and the list goes on and on. <laughs> um, she's been seen on HGTV's Best House on the Block that follows Lauren and her husband David as they design and renovate homes. She's the author of two design books and a third that's just about to hit bookstores calls Fields Like Home. We're excited to have you here today. Welcome, Lauren. Thanks for having me. So you have had such an incredible journey. Can you just kind of walk us and our listeners through, like, how you got started? Sure.
2: I it started out. I had graduated from college and was working for my family business, selling locomotive components and doing trade shows and of branding. Course. And I, yeah, I mean, it's just very related to decorating. Go straight in. <laughs> exactly. And um, I was doing my first department, and I realized that doing my apartment was so much more fun than my real job. And so I kind of was like, what am I doing here? And so I took a distance uh, design learning program and decided I wanted to be a decorator and um, took this course and started taking clients and staging with them. And then those clients kind of transitioned into design clients. And then just kind of kept going from there, started the blog. My husband and I got married when we were young, so. I was 23 and had a baby about 2 years later and so we had bought a house and the housing market crashed right after we bought it and so it it was like kind of the time, like it's a nightmare. So, we sold our house for a huge loss and moved in with my parents with our one year old baby and moved into the basement. And I started my blog there because I was just kind of bummed, just feeling like, oh, I live in my parents' basement with a baby. And, <laughs> um, and, but I was still excited about design and wanted to share the projects I was doing and all of that. And couldn't get published in any magazines, you know, brand new. Just started. found the world of blogs and started blogging. And from there, that really kind of got our business going, just being able to have a platform and to share your work and to kind of meet other people who are doing the same thing. Eventually, different magazines saw my work and my projects on there and published those projects. And then it just kind of really helped, you know, propel our business forward. And my husband came to work with us full time and it's just kind of grown from there. And over that time, we've, I think, moved... 8 or 10 times and had five kids during this process. It's kind of like we have a baby and then we move and then we have a baby and then we move. So it's like <laughs> we have a kid and we So we have a lot of had a lot of houses and have five kids now. That's a hectic cycle. Yeah, it no. yeah. <laughs> feels like we're breaking the cycle now. My daughter is 4.
1: <laughs> my youngest. So okay, it feels like the cycle okay. So there's been some time. Yep. <laughs> okay. That's funny. Oh my gosh, and You've done everything, like it seems like. And how did, when did HGTV, your show there start? Somewhere in the thick of all of this. (laughs)
2: Yes, I think that was about, so I did that when we did the pilot when I was pregnant with my four year old. So, and then about a year later, so maybe about three years ago, we filmed all of that. So, yeah, it was an experience. It was crazy.
1: That is just nuts. I don't even know how you're awake and doing this with us. <laughs> just reading everything you've done and your accomplishments and how you've been published in every shelter publication is just, I, I was like, oh, my gosh. When do you have time to even Aww. dress five children? <laughs> you should see what right. they're wearing. It's not, <laughs> It's not pretty.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, you know what, my husband and I are, He's in business with me and he is also such a hands-on parent. So we really split like so many duties. Like he does the grocery shopping. We cook together. Like it's a very kind of tag team situation on, on all fronts, which is really the only way that stuff gets done.
0: So <laughs> kind of. well, and, and in the meantime, you're designing for clients, you're renovating your own home. You have a product line and a store. Yeah, we're doing, we sold our
2: house just recently and bought a house that we're like saying is a forever house and forever for for a crazy person who moves like me. Um, but I really do think this is kind of it. <laughs> and at the same time, we bought another house that we figured we would live in during the renovation because with the kids and we have a bunch of dogs and animals like chickens and we couldn't actually <laughs> rent a house. So we were like, we'll just live in this other house and then flip it and then move into our final house but that one's delayed so we're living in our final house right now moving to the flip house in a couple of months we'll be there and then we'll move to the final house so we also like kind of flipping things on the side which that part does make it crazy The personal like moving and all that it's crazy but
1: i don't Again, yeah, you, you make me like, just read again. I was like, I don't understand why she even has an hour to speak to us.
0: So don't no, know. We are, no not at all. We appreciate you being here.
1: No, I'm so glad to
2: be here.
0: So this new book, Feels Like Home, is just about to come out. And we we got a sneak peek. And it is so gorgeous. It is so gorgeous. And it's so different than your other two books, which are a bit more design-oriented and how-to-oriented. Do you want to talk about this? Sure. What makes this book different? Yeah.
2: You know, this book, it's really funny. When I actually sat down to write this book, which was last fall, about a year ago, I had a bunch of the projects, you know, laid out and a book came out and it was not about design at all. (laughs) And so it was about um, finding contentment at home and being content in your life. Because I feel like the, the big question, you know, it's like, why do we do all this? Why do we spend all this money? Why are we buying all these things? What's the point? And it's because we want to be happy. We want to feel content. I can look at some people who will go through an entire renovation and be like, what's next? And it's like, wait, your whole life is beautiful and perfect in this. And you're like, what's next? And then there's other people who get it all. And they're like, they they enjoy it and they live it so i'm like what's the difference here what's happening and i'm realizing it's your mindset it's it's the decision the choice to be content and happy with it all and so like as much as what i do is buying the things and making all the design decisions it's the most important like key to it all is that person who's living in the house again making a decision to exhale and be happy and content with it. So this whole like other book came out, which was um, it's a different book, I called it the art of contentment. And it was just literally about like, that kind of decision and different things you could do to kind of make those choices. And then I sent it in to my publisher. And it was during COVID time. And it was like a few weeks went by and she they all had COVID issues up there. I was like, Um, can I make some tweaks? I'm like, wait a second. That is like another book. So I pulled that book and took it back, wrote a different one, (laughs) just feels like home. (laughs) Which was, I was like, these people, this is just, it wasn't designy enough. And I realized I'm like, there is a bridge book between the nuts and bolts, how to decorate, which was my first book Habitat. And the second one was how I do it. So sort of my style, that natural, relaxed down to earth thing, which was the second book. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of jumped to like, here's how you're content and happy. And I was like, no, there's, there's gotta be something in between, which is what design decisions do you make that set you up for that mentality shift? And so it was about like the feelings and the warm fuzzies of home and, and the decisions you can make that can sort of, bridge you to that like next step. But um, Mm -hmm. that was really convoluted long story. But that's kind of how it shifted into more of a warm, fuzzy versus design thing.
0: And in this book, you really (laughs) kind of go through the history of the houses that you've lived in and how you brought them into a place that feels comfortable and like trying to figure out where that switch happens between it starting out as a house. And then moving into like this is a home this is where memories are made this is where the comfort is
2: yes and it it is like that it's kind of a process you know Find the how the book is sort of set up like you finding the house finding that diamond in the rough or if you're creating it from scratch creating that shell and then what you do next and how you kind of get organized and set up and then how you sort of like it takes you all the way through to the end of being grateful for what it is that you actually have. And so all those design tips and physical tricks and things that we do are in there. But it overall, if you kind of follow it, it's sort of more about your emotional process and how you get from feeling like this is a diamond in the rough that feels nothing like home to the day when you walk in and you feel that feeling where it's like it's a smell, it's a feeling, it's a hug. You're like, how does how does a to b happen and so it's my attempt to sort of dissect what can help that and then make that feeling when you walk in feel stronger feel better i always think if you could bottle that home feeling like when you're gone from a long trip and you finally walk in and just you feel that or you hug someone you love you know who feels like home it's like if you could just jar that feeling and like give it <laughs> out like you'd be a millionaire
1: <laughs> yes but right?
2: it's it's kind of about trying to savor that that moment, that feeling, and make it better and stronger.
1: And I like that. That's how you even began this book. And again, it was it was like reading a story. And I I love that. Again, you started with how you grew up and what home meant to you. Do you mind taking a minute to just like tell people what that said? Because I thought it was such a sweet way of like bringing you in.
2: Sure. Yeah. It was um, that feeling of sort of walking in the door, that kind of like Pavlov's dog feeling. I remember it very strongly from when I was a kid my parents were divorced so I spent a lot of my time with one parent and then would go home to the other parent to the other house so I really remember savoring coming back to somebody and coming back to a home and just feeling and you know experiencing the smells the sights all of that so yeah so as a kid I just was going from one house to the other and these sort of two different types of lives. My mom was in Virginia and that's where I went to school. So life was structured and orderly and we spent time in gardens and we, you know, did went to plays and did things that were planned. And then I went to my dad's and it was like running in the fields, it was in uh, the Midwest. And so it was like, you know, jumping in the pond, wildflower picking, like no schedule, movies any night of the week, you know, it was vacation summertime. <laughs> So, yeah, so it's just a very different – two different sort of lives, but I always remember – like life slowing in a way when I would just come home to one of them and, and I'd see the things that they did for me. Like my mom would pick flowers from the garden and leave them next to my bed. And, you know, it she didn't have to say, I love you. It just, I knew she loved me. Or like, I think I mentioned this in the, also in the book, my dad, there was this sausage from Chicago that I'm obsessed with. And so like the fridge would be stocked with my favorite foods and all of that. So just Those little things, which really have nothing to do with decorating, they're just living. But I do think so much of that is what, what makes us feel the love, what makes us feel, you know, a home house feel like a home.
0: So how are you doing that for yourself and for your kids as you are kind of in this transition phase of like moving from one house to another and then to the flip house and then to your forever home? Like, How are you kind of keeping that down?
2: Our family is... We're very tight. My kids range from 4 to 14. You, know, We do dinner together every night. We do a lot. We spend a lot of time in nature, going outside, going on walks together. For us, it's sort of just one day at a time right now because life is disorganized. So it's like if we're keeping the structure of the dinner, the time spent in nature, that's kind of what's, what's keeping us together right now and not focusing on okay, we're moving like two or three more times, We have to go through all this, we're just going one day at a time and trying to enjoy, you know, life to everyone, life is so crazy for everyone with work, you know, working parents, all of that. So I'm just really right now trying to focus on being present when I am with my family. I'm like, this is, it's all for you guys. And so I think, and we talk about it, like we'll be like, mom's not here right now. Like I'll be trying to respond to somebody in a direct message on Instagram, I'm like, okay, no, I have to put that away and be present so it's just it's constantly shifting back and into the right habits i think and that's one of those chapters in the book was called habits of joy and it's about remembering and writing down and discovering what it is that you're doing in your life in your home in your daily routines that bring you joy and that make your life better for you and things that you can do to your design of your home that actually forced you to do that. Like I mentioned, I put a basket in my foyer. And seeing it there, it caused me to grab it sometimes and be like, I'm gonna go grab those flowers right there because the basket was right there. And that's just a simple little design accessory choice that doesn't cost anything really. But it's it creates a habit. Where, you know, on a pretty day, I'm going to grab that basket and go have a moment with the flowers. And so just a simple object, that that kind of thing, thinking like that, mm-hmm. like what you could put in your home that forces you into a certain pattern that's good for you.
1: Well, wow. and I love that. And I I love that you kind of even speak to everyone else's simple joys too in there. You had people write in and list their simple, yes. like, is that, that's correct, right? Yes. Yes, there was that whole page, yeah. and I was reading through everyone's. Yeah, coffee yeah. in the morning, and I was like, yes, yes, yeah. It was a very old blog
2: post. Uh, gosh, from maybe twelve years ago, where I just asked everyone to write in the comment section, "What are your simple pleasures in life?" And I mean, we had we hundreds of people writing, and it was, and but so many were the same, which was it's just universal, like those little simple pleasures really bring us joy. And they're so easy to incorporate into our life and in
0: how we design the house. And yeah, it was fun to read those. So when you're designing a home for someone else, I mean, you have such a beautiful design aesthetic. That's just very calming, very like you use a lot of neutrals, a lot of white walls. It's really beautiful, stunning rooms. But what do you do to bring that out in your client's work? Or when you're working with someone else
2: it's you know it's really funny i kind of picture i get to know my client ask them a ton of questions have them show me a ton of inspiration images we find out what colors make them happy what they love what their passions are what kind of things they're into collecting nature is always there that's like the non-negotiable like pretty much anyone coming to work with us loves nature too so there's always an indoor outdoor connection but i love getting to know clients and sort of seeing what's different or personal or unique about their designs. I think I would be really bored if everyone just came to me and was like, pretend you live here. Like I don't, it's not about that. I'm like, it's about getting to know that person and finding out what's really special and different about them and then showing that in their home so that when they come home it feels like them, not not like me. So yeah, I'll pull I'll, you know, hear their stories and and pull out the things they're interested in and incorporate them into the house.
1: This book also had so many, like you said, it still had your tips and tricks, which I really loved um, as well, because you still kept those in there, because you speak to a lot about finding the diamond in all of this, and how you love a good old home that you should definitely pass on. You guys are like, yes. Yes. (laughs) And I loved your journey, but you even listed like the tips and tricks for deciding should you purchase said diamond. Can you tell people how you came I mean... er, how you narrow down that list? It's, yeah,
2: it's so for me, you know, we are always looking for houses to renovate and resell and bring back to life and we have to pass on most of them because we can't afford to do it. And it's it's not just like, oh, we don't have the money. It's like if we put the money that was required to make it what it could be, it would be overvalued in the real estate market. And so that's really what you kind of have to look at is take a look at every house you're considering redoing and come up with that budget of what you think it's going to cost. And then add more money because it's always more. <laughs> and then C is is if you were to sell that house, even if you're going to stay there, I still don't recommend people overbuild very much. Find out what that price would be and what that cost is. And if it's over what it's worth on the market... I would unless it's your forever home and you're like i don't care that i've over invested pass on it and so that's the really hard part there's so many beautiful houses out there that it just if you fixed them up they would be so over the market that you can't really touch them but
0: well it's great to have this little this checklist for everybody out there who's looking for a home because the the market is so hot i personally found a diamond in the rough in 1930s craftsman and I joke that with my husband that we bought a house in the dark, filled with stuff as is. And we I love it. And we had to put in an offer that night. That's amazing. I mean, it and but I mean, the decision making process was just so fast. Like we had to go home and, and write a letter and write an offer and all of that. So having this kind of checklist to kind of go through and yes. like to think through like, okay, how much we really love it? How much is as is like, yes, you know, it's,
2: but sometimes it's, it's almost good not to like, I love that you just did it like that because sometimes it's your heart, right? That's just like, you know what? We're we're doing it. Yeah. And there are things that we've done that I'm like, oh my God, if we really knew what was entailed like a hindsight, we never would have done this. So I'm so glad we didn't. Like if I'd known that the whole roof was broken, would I have bought this house? No. <laughs> but <laughs> but we did anyway. And I'm glad we did. So yeah. But yeah. But the checklist is definitely helpful.
1: <laughs> How should we look at embracing this imperfection too? Because you speak to that in your book. Yeah.
2: I think when I first started my business, you know, I'm thinking, I have to get my house perfectly decorated and everything needs to be perfect at all times. And blah, blah, blah. And I had this like, you know, structured kind of psychotic, you know, attitude towards making my home perfect. Um, And that didn't last long for me. We had kids and it just blew everything up. And I think that they really just broke me in. But I also... (laughs) They broke you in. (laughs) They broke me in. They broke me in a good way. (laughs) Um, But I I think uh, that's not what this podcast is about. Parenting woes. So, sorry. Uh, No, we definitely (laughs) dive deep into that too. We're with you yeah there's another one but yeah just that kind of getting used to like life what you plan you know it's not how it really is you have to just Mm -hmm. learn to roll with things and be good with things and be comfortable with whatever's getting thrown at you and that sort of attitude um just forcing yourself to be relaxed again that's like that contentment thing that to me is a choice you can choose to be looking at every little imperfection in your home and say, oh, that's not done yet. I can't afford to do that yet. That's not done. You can you can sit in a room like that. I've done it myself. Or you can sit in a room and be like, ah, like these are the people in front of me and who really cares that we're not done yet. This I'm never gonna be this age, this young again. I'm only getting older. Like let's enjoy right now, regardless of what's going on on these walls. And so it's just, it's kind of about that and just embracing the fact that it's not always done. And you can enjoy that imperfection. And even when you are done, it's not going to be perfect.
1: (laughs) Fair. So that's good to know, though. No, I think (laughs) everyone listening needs to like reiterate that on repeat because, you know, it's just
0: so true. No, on the daily. On the daily. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Well, and I realized, you know,
2: I was doing it and I see it. I see it with a lot of, you know, young people. And I was definitely doing this. I'm going to go change all this. And I'm spending all this time rearranging everything in my home and and buying and buying. And it's like, wait, at a certain point, slow down, buy more thoughtfully, you know, stop and live instead of rearranging. Like what, what's the real what do you really need to be doing here? And that's when I realized, even before I got into when I was doing that first apartment I realized I was like okay wait I love this let me let me make this my career and make some money versus spending money and redoing things all the time so sometimes mm-hmm. I say to people if you're doing that maybe you're meant to be a designer and you just need to go into it and, mm-hmm. and get that creative
1: kick out and even speaking to becoming more of a minimalist you kind of speak to that as well how do we do that
0: how do we do that oh that's a hard one <laughs> just
2: how do we do yes it? how do we do it i would say we all have and i talk about this in the book but we all have our own comfort level with how minimalist we could be so like we can i mean i have cluttered bookshelves full of things that's about as minimal as I can get there. And so mm-hmm. it's kind of like taking your level and living I think it was William Morris hit that quote of his where he said, um, have nothing in your home that you don't love or find to be useful. I think that's just that huge line for what you keep and what you get rid of. And at points of my life, I've realized I'm spending my weekends cleaning up toys, cleaning up clutter, and straightening up my house when I really just want to be with the people I love. It was the stuff and the clutter that was clogging my life in a way. I talk about the book but we joke about I, I would say I was
0: becoming Saturday morning mom. That made would, me laugh so hard. I, was, I, <laughs> I can totally relate to that. Just like dealing with everything that builds up over the week and then just exploding on saturday with with cleaning yeah so you can try to try to maybe enjoy sunday i you know totally and it's just it's
1: it was like it's senseless so what did you do were you just like listen i like being outside so we're taking away the toys we're gonna like what did you do
2: i've done so many different things but step one was like saying guys saturday mom is here and she's coming for your stuff I mean seriously i if like anything on the island i open the trash on the island it's my favorite move and just wipe my long arm and write <laughs> it wipe it right onto the garbage i'm like oh you God. leave legos on the island they're in the garbage i've lit things on fire that's my favorite
0: <laughs> we
2: took that out of the book i was like um to the editor i'm like does this make me sound crazy and she was like um we'll leave
0: that part out <laughs> Not on here. <laughs> <laughs> Not on the Ballard podcast. Mm-mm. Wait, so what did you light on fire?
2: Oh, my favorite thing to light on fire is Nerf gun bullets. They melt. So you just, that little Nerfs, I go, and I let, light a match, and they basically just disappear, <laughs> oh and my gosh. I light them on fire. And and it's so, that sounds terrible, but I'm like, you got to make an example of some toys, right? It's You can have fun with it. like. And the thing is, like, my my kids were not crying. Like, they were laughing. They're like, Mom is lighting our Legos. Or our, our our Nerf's on fire. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, don't leave it anymore or I'll get ya. So kinda, <laughs> oh my God. you. So you gotta kind of do need to make an example and, like, have fun with it and be like, look, you can't blame me. Like, this is not my job on Saturdays to wake up and clean your the house and the mess you left. If you left a mess, your stuff is at the mercy of whatever Saturday morning Mom wants to do to it. And so we just have fun with it. I charge them like $5 if they leave a towel on the floor. My kids do really well with, they work hard. So they're like in the kitchen cleaning to get allowance for that. But then they have to pay me when they leave stuff around, socks are a dollar. Things like that, where I'm like, I just need to get them on board on the same team as me. And it's not like they remember these things every week. I mean, they're still, they're still paying me money, but it's just kind of getting everyone on your team But then it's having less and like saying to the kids like this is funny, I wrote about it a long time ago in a blog post. And I had some people say to me, you're a really terrible mother, (laughs) you, you should not be getting rid of all your kids toys. And I just have a different mindset with it where I'd rather just them not have a lot and go outside and make stuff out of sticks, and rope and twine and make things out of cardboard. I mean, when we get, you know, the Amazon boxes, I'm like, yay, it's around for a couple of days and it gets thrown away. So I've watched my kids be happier with less and they're, they choose what to get rid of all the time, like four times a year, especially before Christmas. We're just constantly getting rid of stuff and giving it away because so much comes in with school and family members giving gifts and stuff. The same on our end, like my husband and I are crazy about like anything that's coming into the house. I think I mentioned in the book, even a sponge, like I'm not going to go buy like the bright purple sponge, I'm buying the sponge that I think is pretty. And so if we can't find something that we like and we think we're kind of going to have for a long time, we don't buy it. Um, So we're always just kind of like decluttering and very careful about shopping. So we're always cleaning out the kids' toys. They're constantly giving things away, doing giveaway piles. And my husband and I are super careful about what we actually buy and bring into the house. We do not shop a ton. And when we do, it's really careful. Like if we're buying a broom, we're like, this is the pretty wooden broom. And it's like the broom that we're keeping for a very long time. So we're just really careful about our purchases and constantly decluttering and I still have more than I wish I had.
1: Okay. I want to talk about, cause you talk about a garden in all your homes and cause you did a raised bed was what you said in one of your original homes that your neighbor or somebody was a gardener.
2: One of my first houses, one of my childhood friends made raised beds for me. He has a company planting like all natural organic vegetable gardens. And so he actually, we didn't start out with raised beds now that I'm thinking about it. He got the beds ready and they were just in the ground. I had like willow around it. And then the weeding yes. became my life. And I got a bunch of raised beds <laughs>
1: from there. There we go. Okay. <laughs> yes. With gardening and stuff, and I know you talk about a lot about bringing branches in. I wanted to know what in your mind is a some great plants to plant near your doorways or in raised beds or whatever to, so that you can take clippings and bring them in
2: more often? Yeah. um, Some of my favorites are, let's see, you know, it's really funny. I probably don't even know half of what I'm hacking down and bringing inside. I love forsythia. Willow is one of my favorites. They're really beautiful um, with green leaves or blooms. Magnolia, I love. In the fall, I love grabbing like a maple branch or an oak branch. I'm obsessed with fern. Anytime I can find fern, I'll bring that in. And goldenrod is another one. I know everyone's worried about the allergies with it, but I think it's really the ragweed that often grows near goldenrod that's the actual issue. But anyway, if you can handle goldenrod in your house, goldenrod is a great one. I love plants that look like wildflowers and a little bit more like weeds. So they're just kind of wild and relaxed. I will take the seeds and save them for the next year and spread them all around um, whenever I find like a random wildflower that I like. Just any big, crazy branch that you could, the bigger, the better, I think.
0: And now's probably a good time to plant things like kale and like those kind of hearty, like lettuce leaves that, that yes. will grow in the yep. winter. The kale,
2: the cabbages, fall. the root vegetables, yeah.
1: And how realistic is it for those branches to stay in your home, like in a vase? It
2: depends. There are some that I will have for like a day and they're just like <laughs> die on the table. Uh, and then others I'll have for like a week or two. I do the, um, I did like a little tutorial um, in one of my homework videos on this, but basically I'll do like warm water and try to cut them under the warm water at an angle. That seems to help. But sometimes it, nothing helps. But I think the warm water cutting under the water
1: is good. <laughs> <laughs> I tell myself.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a good tip.
1: We didn't even mention your homework videos. They're all Instagram <laughs> videos, right? Yes.
2: They're like little IGT, an IGTV series that we do sometimes where it's just like a little something easy you can do around your house, like some sort of tip or trick. Like it'll all be cutting branches or planting bulbs in the fall that
1: are going to come up in the spring. I was watching some of your homework videos and they were great. And I was totally going to recommend that people do watch them because they're fun little tips and tricks for the home. That's what we're all about.
2: Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Just little easy things that don't cost a lot, but you know, make make it feel better.
0: Yeah. You know, I wanted to talk about paint colors. I know it's one of our biggest question that we get and you're, you love to paint rooms with white. I'm wondering, do you have a go-to white that you can suggest for our fans? Yes,
2: yeah, so it's funny. I have, I have probably a few go-to whites and on each project, I kind of go back to the drawing board and look at all of the whites from a bunch of different brands each time and look at my fabrics and my tile, whatever it is, and see which works best. Um, but some of my favorites are... Benjamin Moore, Snow on the Mountain, Sherwin-Williams, Pure White, and Shoji. And then I like Swiss Coffee also by Benjamin Moore. But I, I probably work with 15 or 20 different whites, honestly. Just always picking new ones. I think that's the trick is I'll get people... DMing me or writing an email saying, what's that white? And I'm like, I promise it's not going to look the same in your house. And that's the challenge. It's like, you really have to get the whites in your own lighting, in your own home with your own fabrics to get the right one.
0: Yeah. It's really, it's really tough, but it's really fun to find just the right color for your room.
1: Yes. Yes. Everybody loves the paint color, or at least I know yes. on here, people always asking. <laughs> Yes.
2: Yes. I think it's one of those things that it's, it's daunting. You're like putting all of this color everywhere. So you, you, know, you want to get it right. When you see a room you love, you're like, that's it. That's it. I don't have to think and I can do it. <laughs> It'll look good.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. I think we, it's the non-thinking thing that like everybody yes. wants, right? Totally.
0: <laughs> well, it just makes such a fresh, clean slate to just paint everything white. I know that's something that we did in our house. And we we did Sherwin Williams Greek Villa.
2: I love that one. And I did that a lot. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's it's like opening up a little yeah. canister of, of Greek yogurt. Yeah, it's like it, that's got such a, a little bit of warmth. It's just fantastic. Cu- just cou- <laughs> so we ended Not up doing ones. every we ended up doing every room in it.
2: I love it. I love it. One of the houses in that third book is that all Greek
1: Villa. Mm hmm. Yes there were so many pretty homes in there. And to be honest, I really just loved playing the Wells Waldo kind of game with walking way through each of your homes. Because I think it's very realistic that like you have botanical prints you used, you just framed and used in every home. Um, yeah. And just different sofas you used in every home. And I think a lot of people are that way. They're like, can I use this? And so um, I... Again, I played a little bit of Weir's World or a big Oh, there's <laughs> that sofa again. Okay. Yes. But I appreciated it because it felt real yeah. it felt real. And I
0: yeah, I know. Yeah, that we're moving along with you into all these different houses. It's, yeah. It was really mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And I think that's that thing like when people really are thoughtful and buy carefully, it can just kind of work anywhere. If you really love it and just it can work in different sorts of houses and that kind of thing.
0: But you're taking artwork from books and Framing them just kind of repositions that as like a really beautiful print. And then also just having your kids artwork, just these black and white line drawings are so stunning in there as well.
2: Oh, thank you. They had fun. Had fun making (laughs) that.
1: Well, everyone has to buy this book because it's beautiful and it was I think very well written. I'm sorry they left out the setting things on fire part because I really would have loved that. But I think it's such a great view into how you live and how you've gotten here and just your kind of the lifestyle brand that you're overall have. It's great. It's wonderful and really great to watch. So, thank you so much. Everyone be a part of it. Thank you. Well, we are going to answer a decorating decorating dilemma. dilemma. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Well, today's decorating dilemma is from Hillary. She says, hey, y'all, I'm a new follower and love listening. No pictures, but a burning question. We sold our house and moved into a rental while we're waiting to build. Sounds familiar, Taryn?
1: Um, And and Lauren, actually. (laughs) That's true. And Lauren,
0: which will likely be starting next year this time. Our rental is a lovely ranch built in the 60s with very little updating done. We obviously can't and don't want to do big things like paint, redo floors, etc. And none of our furniture and decor from our previous home. It was a lake house. So nothing from the previous home really goes in this new house but it's currently awkward in there because what else are we going to do with it? We also don't really want to invest in new furniture and art that may not go with our new build. How do we make our temporary situation feel like home? Thanks, Hillary.
2: Okay, well, I, I can um, identify with this as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. that I'm in that boat right now. and And I'd say what to do is just really arrange everything as best you can. And hang up your artwork, hang your things up, even though they're not quite right for this house. Just do it, zhuzh it, make it as pretty as you can. What I'm doing in my house right now while it's temporary is I don't have everything hung up. I didn't like deck the whole thing out. I kept it simpler because my house is kind of a mess right now and I couldn't redo or repaint anything either. So I just, it, it's almost weird when you try too hard with it. So just put a little bit up and enough out that it kind of feels like home to you but don't have to do all your accessories and all of your artwork. Then the other thing I'd say is this is where that sort of mental process comes into play and it's about just sort of like like kind of what I'm doing right now trying to live each day one at a time. It's it's doing the simple things like bringing the branches in, bringing the flowers in, lighting candles, having good music on, cooking good meals. It's more about sort of experiencing the house and creating time and moments and experiences versus getting to look around and be like, this is gorgeous. So just kind of create those experiences that make it feel like home. And fresh flowers and plants can do wonders. Like the bigger the branches, the better to hide it all. (laughs) But yeah, just those little little tiny things you can do versus I know you can't do any decorating right now. So it's tough.
0: Yeah. That's so hard to not be able to do decorating for both of you. I mean, to not really decorate too much in the, the transitional place that you're in our heart goes out to you hillary
2: it's it's weird when it's your like all, you know you're taryn obviously in the industry too and it's like your life and you're like this is what i do and i'm used to making my environment feel right and you're just you just can't you just got to be patient and so it's it's that whole like mental exercise of being like, I got this. Like, What's fun about today and right now and what's pretty and seasonal outside and what could I pull in and appreciate? Because it's not going to be the walls that
1: you're looking at necessarily. Yes. I mean, same for us too. And nothing fits perfectly right, but I've still kind of moved things around as we've gone and try to make little moments or pockets of my home a little more, to your point, that joy. So I continue to do that and I've just moved around even my house plants into more light and they've given me little nooks and crannies of happiness. So I agree. It's like overall I'm like uh, making excuses when people come in, you know, Oh, sorry. (laughs) You know, this is a rental. It's a rental. But to your point, it is nice to have those moments. And, and like you were saying too, you just bring in the clippings, bring in, bringing in that outside does help make even a rental feel better.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you're doing this with a family as well, like it is important to not like kind of like click or wish the time away because the kids are only however old they are at that one point. So it's, and I don't, for us, we try to kind of keep it positive in front of our kids. Like, well, now we're just doing this adventure and this is what's happening now. And we're trying to enjoy the now versus being like, it'll be better next year, kids. Like, I don't want them to have that feeling that things need to be perfect around them to be enjoying life. So it is kind of that like, the, the talk in front of the kids, I think, probably helps me myself be like, you know, good
1: with it. <laughs> it's like a mantra. Totally, to we're you good.
2: Okay. We're
0: happy. We love, I love it. That. <laughs> this I is so that.
2: fun, right? <laughs> it's so pretty.
0: <laughs> oh, whenever anything goes wrong around our house, like when it does quite often, i I just start the the sentence like, "Well, today's adventure is." Mm-hmm. It's good. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's all I can yeah. do. <laughs> it's so
1: funny. Well, thank you so much, Lauren, for everything. And No, thank you, guys. The book, the new book is beautiful. Caroline, who's not on today, she, her favorite, I mean, she's talked about your first book for so long um, that she was so sad to miss you today. Aww. But we all really enjoy diving into your new book and everybody needs to get a copy. And you, especially if you're looking for a diamond, as you said, a diamond. Did you in say rough. in the
0: rough? Yep. Diamond.
1: Okay. Yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you so, so much for having me here. And tell Caroline I said hi.
1: Yes. Oh, we oh, will. And you have to tell everybody where to find you, follow you, all that good stuff. So I'm mostly kind of keep
2: up with life through Instagram. And that is at Lauren Least. It's just my name. It's L-A-U-R-E-N-L-I-E-S-S. And then our retail shop that kind of features my product collections and all of that is on instagram is at lauren least and co all one word and we're just kind of on my account just always sharing videos sharing the flip projects sharing all the progress on our home projects and
0: well thank you guys so much you've been great to talk to you thank you so much for your time